Hey, Danny. What? 69. Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. I'm Danny Roth. This is Song versus Song. And today, we are uh, we're covering two 80s classics, two of the best songs of all time. Ex- <laughs> no, I don't really believe that, but... They are two of the biggest songs of the 80s. Summer of 69 by Brian Adams and Jack and Diane by John Cougar at the time. He was John Cougar, now known as John Mellencamp. Johnny Cougar. Yeah. Well, just John Cougar. Johnny. That's a ridiculous name that they made him. He's always hated that name. That's true. Yeah. Hey, 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 Danny. Yes, Todd. Sucking on a chili dog. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't, I don't follow. <laughs> you, you, you know, because the song is like sucking on a chili dog. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> me and my baby in a 69. All right. Uh, we are off to a fantastic start. Yes, this is exactly what, what these songs deserve. Uh, listen. Uh, I, we usually start the thing uh, by saying what was our gut reaction, but uh, I want to skip ahead to uh, one listener comment. Okay, go ahead. Uh, it is the first uh, sentence from Dan Hogg, which is 50 minutes of Todd going off on Brian Adams. Here we come. It is well known that I am not a fan of Brian Adams in general, but I think everyone agrees that Summer of 69 is for Brian Adams, at least, a towering achievement compared to the rest of his other songs. Compared to All for Love and Everything I Do, I Do It For You and Heaven and Run To You and uh, Somebody and uh, Cuts Like a Knife. Well, I could go on. The only thing that looks good on me is you, yes. The That's la- right. That's like the, that was like the last big hit The last had. one as Soft Rock died its well-deserved death in the mid-90s. I just want to bring something up here. Uh, there's a 2001 um, article in Billboard magazine wherein uh, the then editor-in-chief, Timothy White, mm-hmm. uh, referred to John Mellicamp as arguably the most important roots rocker of his generation. Uh, wow. Uh, let's see. This is rock music that tells the truth on both its composer and the culture he's observing. And I want to be very clear that my response to that is sucking on chili dogs. <laughs> Outside the taste of freeze. Yes. And then fingering your girl over by yonder tree. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is, what a poet. Yes. <laughs> All right. So as, as, as always, now we can actually begin. How, how many minutes did we waste? Three. All right. <laughs> That's we're, that's good for us. Okay. Uh, your gut reaction, without thinking, without even re-listening to them, where did you lean? Summer of '69. Same. You, oh wow! I. Well, all right. So why? You know, I tell this story a lot when people ask me. It's like, how did you get into uh, reviewing popular songs for a living? Like, because I did not grow up, you know, listening to the the top forty stations. It was because the antenna came off my car one day. And I didn't have money to fix it. So I could only get about three radio stations in my car with my little whatever left I had of my antenna. The two stations were the classic rock station and the, you know, the throwback 80s station and the top 40 station. And those first two stations played John Mellencamp so fucking much that I cannot listen to John Mellencamp anymore. And I was like, I'm listening to the top 40 stations exclusively from now on. Because I cannot listen to John Mellencamp anymore. So if not for John Cougar Mellencamp. And his ridiculous overplay on Dave FM or whatever the fuck it was. Perhaps you would not have the career that you have now. So in a way, you owe a great debt to to, to John Mellencamp. To the Coog, yes. Yeah. I, I owe it all to John Cougar Mellencamp. John Mellen Cougar Camp. Uh, <laughs> to, to be clear... I, I listened to those songs over and over again because I could, you know, I, I, I was decently fond of them. And then it got to a point where I just couldn't do it anymore versus Brian Adams, who I never liked. And his stuff was always bad. He was a bad person and a bad artist and a bad face. Wow. <laughs> it, it feels weird to still have strong opinions about Brian Adams in 2020. It does feel as though there are other things happening 
Yeah, but and but, he's and he. Although neither of us, in fairness, and I, I suppose this will come up in a different way later, but yeah. neither one of us went and saw the Pretty Woman Broadway musical. Is that musical. still out? No, <laughs> of course not. And, but he did. He he did the music for that. Yeah. So he is still committing um, musical hate crime. <laughs> I, and maybe it's good. I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe maybe Broadway was his true medium the entire time. Co-host of the Apocalypse Book Club, uh, Raven Jacobowski, my wife, has, has definitely seen that. And I want to call her out, even though I just did. Uh-huh. She definitely did not have kind words for that musical. <laughs> she compared it with the worst musical that her and I have ever seen, which is Ghost. <laughs> There's a ghost musical? There was, very briefly. That when was, will it be revived so uh, that I may see this uh, beauty? I don't. Never. In hell. In hell. Anyway, uh, so the reason that I picked Summer of 69 is because uh, right after I got out of high school, I, in fact, did have that song on a mixtape that I made that I listened to a lot. It, had, it was just like a bunch of songs from the, from the, mostly from like the 80s and early 90s mm-hmm. because I had just gotten out of high school and I just wanted, you know, classic so to speak uh driving music mm-hmm. and that was on there that's is, that's summer 69 is good driving music that is hard to deny uh but for the record um we built the city on rock and roll was also on that tape so you can't really you can't really take my word on anything uh not that that's news but it was on there and you know we we built this city has had kind of like a critical comeback in that people will stand up for it now and like people Not you though. Oh no, no, no. The critics were right the first time. <laughs> All right. So it was on the tape. And what I remember about Jack and Diane mm-hmm. most of all is pop up video. Oh I, what what did they have to say about it on VH one? Um so I don't think I couldn't find this anywhere, but I remember it as though it were yesterday that there was a pop up video for this video where they we're talking about the part of Indiana where John Cougar Mellencamp grew up, mm-hmm. saying that does Indiana they, really have parts that they <laughs> uh, sure they have towns, <laughs> spaces, streets like parts separate from other parts. I, I always imagine it's just like a giant blob of Indiana with isn't a racetrack like a, right isn't on. Like a Norman, Indiana, and doesn't that say everything? Norman, Indiana. I think so. Just I, I know, like it's the very idea Norman. Of, of a state that would name a city Norman. <laughs> Anyway, um, so this this pop up video, pop up video, in case you don't know, was a VH1 series where the the music video would play, and they would put sort of facts about the music video, facts about the song, and sometimes sort of slightly tangentially related facts. And one of the things that the people who produced this decided to do was look at this period in time in Indiana and see if they could find any record of a Jack. And a Diane marrying, getting married, mm-hmm. or matching up in any way, shape, or form with this song, and there is none, zero. They could they, zero they, Jack and Dianes. Well, I guess Jack is kind of like the nickname, so they'd be John on the uh, on the marriage licenses. I guess that's. I'm sure that that's a fair point. But here's the thing: as stupid as that is, it is the first thing I think of when I think of Jack and Diane, which is that it's a lie. <laughs> there is there there's got to be a Jack and Diane. There has to be. There I is no bl- Jack and Diane. Oh, okay, to be fair, if you are a Jack and you meet a Diane, I think you're like obligated to like maybe not obligated, but just like instinctively you avoid them for the rest of your life because I cannot imagine being a part of a Jack and Diane being a couple named Jack and Diane after Jack and Diane hits it big. That's got to be like annoying. I'd hate to be part of that for the rest of my life. Oh my God! Wait, if the, wait, have you ever met anybody named Jack or John who was in a relationship with someone named Diane? Of course Ever. not. No, never in your life. I don't know many Dianes to be that to be clear. I don't know if I've ever met a Diane. That's a that's an eighties name. Is this proof that we're in the Matrix? Is this like there is no spoon? <laughs> there is no Jack and Diane. Ugh. Anyway, all right, so that's that's it. That's all that boils down to. And I, I guess I should say, John Cougar Mellencamp, um, for me, I don't think I really knew him, knew him uh, until 1994 when he did that duet with Michelle and Cello. Thank you for pronouncing that for me. <laughs> uh, I think I said it right. I, I have no clue, but go on. 
but uh, it was Wild Night. Wild Night, the cover of uh, Van Morrison. Van Morrison song, and I liked that song. And my mother took me and my friend when we were fourteen to a John Cougar Mellencamp concert at the PNC Bank Art Center in New Jersey. That's a, that's kind of an away game for uh, playing in Springsteen territory. Yes, yes. Although he is, you know, I think he's kind of a Springsteen light. Yeah, he's a he's a B level Springsteen. That's the best. If you don't really know him that well, that's, yeah, that's sort of the be, the best explanation you can get. He's, he's a really, very he's Midwestern in that same genre. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I saw him. I saw him in concert, and I saw him go up and and, and play uh, Wild Night. And Michelle and Cello was there. I definitely oh, said cool. it right that time. Yeah, it was great. Um, that was good, and uh, that's it. That's what I remember. So I liked that song, and I felt no, no kind of way about Jack and Diane. Well, I well, we, we we brought up Springsteen, and it's very easy to call like the both of them baby Springsteens. I guess I, I, like, I mean, like, Mellencamp if, eventually like established himself as like the serious artist after Jack and Diane. At this point, he was still Johnny Cougar. I think that's why he changed the name. He's like, I want to go by my real name well, because he I sound like it. a joke. He, he felt like a joke from the beginning because right. when he was making records in the beginning, they wanted him to sound like Neil Diamond. <laughs> that makes absolutely no sense. Like, Well, in hindsight, yeah. you don't know. At the time, it made perfect sense. There's an yeah. alternate dimension where he became the new Neil Diamond. And what might that world look like? Could it be any worse than this one? How could it be? Feels impossible. On the boats and on the planes, ain't that America? See? For you and me. Yeah, no, wow, actually, yeah, I kind of hear it. Okay, so Springsteen is uh, becomes a big name in 75. Cougar jumps on the scene a few years after that. Springsteen releases The River in 1980. I think that is like the the record that really puts a shadow over the rest of the heartland rock of the 80s, Mellencamp, and then Adams after him. I think the big difference between the two is that Adams kind of never became legit. So what's the deal, right? Because he had a partner for a time. The You mean the co-writer he had? Yeah. Valance, his name's Jim Valance. He co-wrote this and a lot of his other early hits, Somebody, Heaven. And, uh, then, and then things went bad. That's the that's I mean according to Valance himself I haven't read the whole story but they I guess Valance had the sense that up until this record that had Summer '69 on it that would be Reckless from 1984 that that album and prior mm-hmm. they were making stuff for the for the love of it for the fun and the joy of making music mm-hmm. and that after that things began to change. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I can't really think of what he, what Adams was doing for the rest of the 80s. Like, I'd have to look it up. I know he made Summer of 69 in 1984. He made Everything I Do, I Do It For You in 1991. In between them is like a big question mark for me. Um, well, quite intentionally. He doesn't want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Adams is a secret wrapped in a conundrum. Well, he's, yes. he's a mystery box inside of 10 other smaller mystery boxes. <laughs> well... Brian Adams and I've uh, I've told this story before on my on my YouTube show, but Brian Adams threatened to sue AllMusic.com, the All Music Guide, the most useful guide for any uh, aspiring music nerd out there, and he didn't like something they said or something, uh, like biographical facts or like a review that he didn't like. I have no clue what it was, but he was like, "You need to remove that, or I will sue." And All Music was like one. We're not going to have anyone dictate our, you know, editorial product. But two, we can't afford to be sued. So three, we just deleted him entirely from uh, the website. And when you go there, there is no Brian Adams. I remember reading the actual biography of Brian Adams before they deleted it all. And it said something about like, well, he was never an innovator on the level of a Springsteen or even a John Mellencamp. And I was like, Wow. Burn, not even as good as Mellencamp. Well, now you know why it is that he, yeah. He, yeah, he's tried to sue. I mean, and and here I am trying to make the case that Summer of 69 is a better song than Jack and Diane, uh, Mellencamp's signature hit. It's a good driving song. That's it. And I yeah. just, I don't, 
I never liked Jack and Diane. I never had any type of feeling about it one way or the other. It's not that I hate it. I just don't give a shit. I don't know. Like It struck me as interesting at the time. It's like, wow, that's good. That's, you know, that's a very different song because there's not a song that really sounds like Jack and Diane. It's weirdly structured. Its hook is just like wham guitar riff. Dun, 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 dun. Doesn't really have a chorus. There's a weird drum breakdown in the middle. And then it was like a weird outro. Go, let it rock. Let it roll. And I cannot stand listening to it anymore. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> and this, that's something that happened to me, like I said, with pretty much all of Mellencamp. And that's certainly not something that happened to me with Petty or with Springsteen or with Seeger or the Eagles or any of his peers. And I'm not sure why, but it seems like everything he ever made was a six out of ten. And there's only so many times you can listen to a six out of ten before you you just need to move on. And yet it got played over and over and over again. Long after the thrill <laughs> of hearing it was gone. Yes. Yes. And that's the best lyric for me. And that's the simplest. And yet it's the one. That oh, yeah. Lands. It's devastating. Like take it out of the uh the actual song so I don't have to hear it and I just look at it and reflect yeah. on it. It was like, ow. Yes, life goes on long after the thrill of living is gone. Oh, man. Remember the thrill of living? It's a distant memory for me. Can't say I ever had that. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, that is that is a good lyric and it's general. Um, I think that it's one of those things where the specificity of Jack and Diane, I don't think it does it any favors. I think it's too detailed, too... Yes, it's like when, to sort of lend towards the pop-up video thing I was talking about before, it's like when somebody is lying to you, mm-hmm. and they give you so many details, and that's how you know it's a lie. Because nobody remembers that much shit, it's just, that's not how brains work. I've seen um, details, like, build up like that and just become really devastating with their specificity, and uh, a, a number of people wrote in Boys of Summer as a third party candidate. <laughs> See, that song is a little too, like, sad for me, as opposed to Summer of 69, which are Jack and Diane, which are pump up anthems, even if, like, the lyrics are a little depressing. And Boys of Summer, I, w- I didn't c- consider it for this because it's too desperately sad. But, like, all the details in that really add up. Just, you know, the sunglasses, the deadhead sticker. Yeah. Well, that's because Don Henley's better at this. Don Henley is better at this. I, I listened to like the entire album before I come show up here to record this, and it is very clear to me that Mellencamp is by far the superior artist to Brian Adams. That Brian Adams album is so slick. It is like the ultimate sellout version of Springsteen, which would become pr- uh, much more common in the 80s, I guess. And really, Bon Jovi was also another kind of like wannabe Springsteen like slicked up Springsteen. Did you know that John Cougar Mellencamp and David Lee Roth grew up in the same town? You know, that would be, do you think they got along? No, <laughs> I can't imagine any human being getting along with David Lee Roth. Can you? No. And to be be fair, I've also heard some pretty negative things about Mellencamp as a human being. Well, he see, it's not that he's, um, if I call him an artist, take that in the, in the mean sense. He's just very particular about his oh, art. Oh, an artiste? Yes, he is an artiste. <laughs> Capital A, long-ass E at the end. And I think that's that's sort of his thing, right? Is that even if you go back and say, well, you know, this album that you put out was a huge hit. Everybody loves it. You know, you got your, you got your jacket tie in. You got your hurt so good, etc. You know, and then he'll say, uh, well, American Fool has precisely three good songs on it and the rest of it sucks. A thing that he said about American Fool. What's the third? Uh, Is it Thunder and Hearts? Because that's one's that one's pretty good. I don't remember now. Um, but as a point of fact, he said that he felt that there were only a few good songs on that, and the rest of it was him just kind of treading water. Well, yeah, that that is a very like singles album. Like you buy it for the singles. You you know the deep cuts. They're fine. You wouldn't really buy it. That's a funny thing, because uh, when I turned 16, my dad got me that album on, on record like of American Fool by John Mellencamp. And uh, when I ask anyone about this, like, American Fool by John Cougar? Why? 
I don't know. You'd have to ask my dad. It made sense to him. I think he he was a real big fan of Hurt So Good. Oh, okay. In a way, I wish you had called your dad <laughs> prior to this and recorded his response. And to be fair... This it, podcast would be improved by the inclusion of your father. To be to be fair, Hurt So Good, actually, I, I can still listen to Hurt So Good. That one, it hurts so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know John Mellencamp's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yes, and he's been in it for a long time, yeah, too. It, it he's been in it like, like 2008 or 2009. Yeah, and I remember like a lot of people boggling about that. It was like, Mellencamp? Seriously? But Mellencamp's in and Brian Adams is never getting in. No, <laughs> Brian, Brian Adams might as well be to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as, as Pete Rose is to the Baseball <laughs> Hall of Fame. Well, yeah. He's never entering Cooperstown. <laughs> it's never going to happen. All right, which which of the two do you think has the better lyrics? Because these are you know pretty lyric heavy for you know pop songs. Uh, I find that uh, I can relate to Summer of '69 better because I think when I was listening to it fresh out of high school, and I had, I was you know I had a little high school band that I was in, and I knew that we weren't going to be a band when I got out of high school because we were yeah. all going in our separate directions. Someone quit and someone else got married. Yeah, in high school. In high school, that's yeah. what happened. Well, I say that. I mean, John Cougar Mellencamp had his first kid like three months after he got out of high school. Oh, yeah. But uh, I did not. That was definitely not my, uh, no. N- yeah. Nope. But uh, yeah, I definitely remember being out of that band and feeling as though I could imagine myself another 20, 30 years down the line looking back on that time and, you know, mm-hmm. not necessarily longing for it, but remembering it fondly. And as it turns out... Those were the best days of my life. No, the war ends. <laughs> Thank God. I'd, I'd hate it to think It was a it. fucking shitty time <laughs> of uh, my life. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I do look back on them fondly to a degree, but, but you know, I, I mean... I look the, back now... Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, I predicted that when I was this age, I would look back and really like that song and think about those days. Uh, and Back in I, the summer of 69? Yes, yes, yes when I graduated <laughs> from high school back in the summer of 69. I'm old. I ain't that old. Uh, no, but uh, I look back on yeah. that time now, and I'm like, that was good. Uh, but also, my, my, my bassist is a, is a gun maniac. Yeah. He's, he is an amosexual, as, as is sometimes the vernacular, and the drummer... Uh, he and I stopped being friends because he said a bunch of transphobic shit on my Facebook page. So I'll tell you what. <laughs> Jerry quit. Jody got into guns. Yeah. Should have known they'd both be transphobic. Uh, but yeah, so I don't really find myself missing that time terribly. Yeah. But I definitely feel as though the generic emotion that it's trying to evoke, it mm-hmm. succeeds at. If I don't think about it too hard. Yeah, I think the slickness, you know, the slick popness of it does does kind of help it in that favor in that regard. The um I think it's it's really I think I'd give the lyrics to um to him, to Brian Adams, and I would give the instrumentation to like the composition yeah. of the music. I I think I'd go reverse, honestly. Really? The lyrics to Summer sixty nine just roll my make me roll my eyes. I bought a six string at the five and dime. Like what the fuck? Who are you talking? Did you even have a five and dime growing? It's the you know why he said it. It's the six five. That's just you know. It's just it's just it's numerology. Listen, put all (laughs) the numbers together, and uh, and and you get then it's thirteen and then sixty. I don't know, man. And of course, you know. What, how I started this stupid program with 69, brother. Nice. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. 69, dudes. That's what I... Th- Wait, what were you quoting? 69, what? brother is nothing, but I. But it makes me think of uh, uh, Bill and Ted's Bill Excellent and Ted's Adventure. 69. Yeah, that's right. What number yeah. are we thinking of right now? Like... <laughs> Brian yes, Adams. a generation of people have grown up with whenever they see the number 69 just writing, Nice. You know, I, I I started this show off with a 69 joke. I actually think those are, like, super lame, and I'm so tired of seeing that on my Twitter feed. 69, nice. Bad joke versus bad joke. Nice or not? Uh, You'll take nice over not. Come on. No, I'll take not over nice. Uh, not. 
<laughs> Good night. <laughs> no, we've been um, talking for twenty five goddamn minutes, and that was the. I actually think that that's you. No, the podcast is over. <laughs> Not just this episode, but any podcast we'll ever do. That's it. Song versus song, complete. Yeah. Goodbye. And you know, Brian Adams has said straight up, like, yes, that is you know a sex joke. That's. I was nine years old in the summer of '69, and uh, well, he also were, said something else. Where there was another country where um, they thought it was in, it was Spain, yeah, where someone said, "Why is the first lyric I had my first real sex dream?" <laughs> <laughs> I had my first real sex dream. Yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> Bought it at the five uh, and dime. Yeah, like in the summer of '69, weren't there a bunch of riots? What were you doing up in... I, I guess to say, 69 is a pretty serious year. Yeah. It was an eventful time. And meanwhile, Brian Adams is like, let me sing a song about... My friends will stop being friends with me. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think they had the 60s in Canada, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think they just had a second 50s. As oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, Brian, oh Adams, Brian Adams sucks. He does. God, he sucks. Oh. I just like the song. The song's fine. It's just good driving. Literally, you I could have ended the podcast at it's good driving music. End of story. Yeah. Well, for, going off on the 69 thing, he's talking about, yeah, 69. And uh, the, the co-writer we were talking about, Jim Valens, he's like, well, I was 17 in 1969, and I wrote that song, too. So, you know, it's not a sex joke, God damn it. <laughs> Oh, which one has the better implied oral sex reference of the two uh, songs? Well, I don't know if it's oral sex that John Camp, John Cougar Mellencamp is referencing. And we'll suck it on Chili Dogs. Yeah. I guess so. Hmm. That's horrific. <laughs> it's definitely the, the, the more disgusting. Uh, I never want uh, external genitals referred to as... The chili dog, chili dogs, not a not a good feeling. Um, no. But that whole that whole part of the song is that that actually I was saying it was like this one has the better lyrics. I don't know that might that might take it down. Sucking on chili dog outside the tasty freeze. Yes, uh, Diane sitting on Jackie's lap got his hand between her knees. Wait, her knees? Yes. Oh, I always thought it was his knees. I thought he was just sitting there like a dork. Oh, like, <laughs> I don't know. Hmm? I mean, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, look, after that, he says, hey, Diane, let's run off behind a shade tree. Dribble off those Bobby Brooks. Let me do what I please. Um, for, for those who don't know, Bobby Brooks is a, a brand of women's clothing. Um, so he was saying that he wanted to take off. Her Holy pants. shit, that is filthy. And I had no idea. I really genuinely had the I thought dribble off those Bobby Brooks was like some like a brook, like a stream. We're going to go swim or something. Nope. I wow. Wow. I missed that entirely. I got the chili dog thing. And that was probably completely innocent. Well, it can't be completely innocent because they're about to go fuck behind a tree. Wow, this is this this song is disgusting. I cannot listen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, we were gonna. Like I said, I am so tired of Jack and Diane. It's the like the Melon Camp song. I absolutely cannot listen to anymore. And yet. It's the one that seems to have like the strongest legacy because I have heard like several country songs. And I mean, like in the past 10, 15 years that have been like all about Jack and Diane, like Jack and Diane is the song they are trying to make and they will reference it entirely. There's a Kenny Chesney songs like Jack and Diane painted a picture of my life and my dreams and like your dreams. Oh, we should talk about that. What's that? Um, I guess this will come up again when we talk about uh, which one would you rather have witnessed being recorded, but yeah. you know the lyrics changed a lot from the original version. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. It was it wasn't about you know Jack wasn't the wasn't a football star. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was black, and Diane yeah. was white. He wanted to do a story about interracial relationships because those were the ones that he felt that he saw in his day to day life, and he felt that they weren't represented. So that was what that was supposed to be about. Yeah, that one kind of blindsided me because, you know, I'm, I'm listening to these uh, extremely white songs. He's, because we got behind schedule, we're recording this on Martin Luther King Day. So I'm out there listening to John Mellencamp and Brian Adams on the day. I'm like, this feels like I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
Happy MLK Day, everybody. But it's going to be a little late for them. Yeah, but, uh, that's all right. But and I was reading that. I was like, well, wow, that would have been like interesting and daring. But maybe not Mellencamp. May you, you might have come up a little out of your depth on that one. All right. Let us do the three questions because we've been talking for half an hour. All right. One of these songs has to be lost to time. The other one endures in perpetuity until uh, Earth death. Mm-hmm. Which one stays, which one goes? Jack and Diane has the stronger legacy. I'm not sh- And there would be a big hole without Jack and Diane. I'm not sure I really particularly like that legacy. There was a, a country song just last year called, like, I Was Jack, You Were Diane. And it's basically just, like, the same song with different lyrics. It's like a, a sample almost. And uh, I was like, do we really? I, I, I know, like, this is just bad Springsteen to me at this point. It's just like a bad wannabe attempted Springsteen. Like, without Summer of 69, we might have been able to get rid of Brian Adams quicker. And that would be a, a good thing, but <laughs> no, I, I guess I, I guess I'd want to keep Jack and Diane around. I guess like little ditty about Homer and Marge. <sighs> his heart uh, was his wait. Her heart was as big as his stomach, stomach is large. large. Yes, yeah. It, he is seeing the Simpsons parody done by Weird Al on a recentish episode of The Simpsons. In case you don't know what the hell he's saying, um, at that alone. You know, although, although you know, Weird Al wanted to do that much earlier. Mm-hmm. It was going to be a song about. Um, it was going to call Chuck and Diane, and it was going to be about um, Charles and Diana. You know, that was his first album, I believe, his first yeah. full record. And uh, John Mellencamp turned him down, and so instead he did Buckingham Blues, which I would not really credit as being one of the better Weird <laughs> Al songs. I've actually never heard it. No offense, Al. I, I've. That first album is the only Weird Al one I've never listened to. I, sh- I should at some point. I'm sure there's some good stuff on there. Um, not that one. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I don't know. I like the Homer and Marge. I don't, because it's a parody of Jack and Diane, and I don't want to hear Jack and Diane anymore. Oh, okay. So you're sure then, You're but you're saying that that's the one that has to stay, even though you hate it so much because you couldn't escape it. Yeah. You could be free. Right here, right now, it would never be heard again. This is your op- this is your chance because the podcast has that mystical power. We could erase it from time. I don't know. I have a. Uh, I just get this horrible th- feeling. Like if I did, I'd regret it immediately, and I'd be like, you know, please, Coily, please bring back the springs. I regret it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, chili dog. <laughs> Obviously, the song to keep is "Boys of Summer." Yeah, oh yeah, that's a that's a good song with a There you go. Uh, you know which I, one you, you know which one can get lost in time? Both of them. Okay. That's my wow. my answer is they can both go. Boy, by the way, when we get to the comments, the hostility towards both these songs yes. is pretty intense. Yes. I think I think we've done a pretty good job of not being we could have been a lot more negative. Um, yeah. And uh, we were we weren't exactly positive over here. I'm just saying. All right, so second question. You can only be a fly on the wall to witness the composition of one of these two. Are you more interested in watching Brian Adams, who is nine, <laughs> write about the summer of 69 with his partner, who was 17, and see the weird conflict of those two men? Or do you want to witness John Cougar Mellencamp write the initial lyric that was about interracial marriage? Well, see, that's a that's an interesting thing, because, uh, you know, what I read on here is that Mellencamp said that Jack and Diane had a really torturous recording process. Like it sounded good, just like him playing guitar when he came to record it. It was like really hard to make it come together because the and honestly, it kind of doesn't come together. I would argue. I mean, I know tons of fans who would say otherwise, but. I, you know, the the producer or, you know, collaborator was uh, Mick Ronson, who was David Bowie's uh, lead guitarist for a long time. And like he's the one who said, like, this is how it's going to come together. This is where the drum break goes. This is where, you know, the uh, guitar riff goes. And this is how we're going to make it all work. And that would be interesting to, to see, I feel like. And that would be good. On the other hand, 
I would like to see Brian Adams write Summer of 69 just because I suspect that he didn't write a, a single word of it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I suspect that's all balance, honestly. I have. We've never used the second question for such nefarious purpose. <laughs> I, w- I want to see because he, you know, Valance talks about like all the influences of where he go at, got individual lyrics, like the six string that's from Jukebox Hero. Yep. Got one guitar. And Running on Empty by Jackson Brown was another one he picked out. 69, I was 17. Yep. So he has a lot more to say about it than Brian Adams does. And I kind of feel like, it's like, did you have you ever written a song in your life, Brian Adams? Wow. I'm curious. He wrote all of the songs in Pretty Woman. <sighs> that's what I can tell you. Gosh, I don't know. Boy, that's, I've, I never really thought that the podcast would yield a Summer of 69 conspiracy theory. <laughs> Not really where I thought we'd wind up, but here we are. Uh, that's interesting, but I'm going to say I would rather, um, I would love to have heard the original lyrics and watch John Cougar Mellencamp try to compose the much more, um, well, the original intent, what the original song was going to be and how it got from that to where it finally wound up. That seems really, even if it's torture for him, I think it would be fascinating for me because yeah. I am a sadist. And you know, something else he said is like, after they made him change it to not be about black people, which like I said, maybe a good choice. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Maybe a good choice to keep him out, of, you know, on safer ground. They said that he it wasn't even going to be released as a single. And so I was Oh right, yeah, he had to fight for it. Yeah, he like when he was recording the video for I Imagine Hurt So Good, he told the d- directors like, "Here, I'm going to play Jack and Diane. Please film it. We'll just fill it out with like home movies and stuff. Yep. And we'll like present them with a finished music video." So, he really believed in that song and uh, you know, it worked out well for him obviously. Yeah, I find all that stuff fascinating. I would love to if I could if I get a package deal Mm-hmm. You know, you know, Jack and Diane has a real like strong place embedded in uh, the the Mellencamp mythos, I guess. It's like the, the entirety of his career is based off of this one song. So it'd be interesting to watch all the circumstances of that unfold. William Shatner has to shat on one of these songs again. Sucking on chili dogs. That's rough. That's real rough. And I don't I don't even want to imagine it. I am like forcing it out of my brain right now. I do not want to imagine Shatner singing Jack and Diane. Although I'm not sure I want to uh, hear him singing about him and his baby in a 69. I mean, technically, the lyric is just me and my baby in 69. It's just that he sings it. No, he absolutely says in a 69. He absolutely says in a 69. And I've heard some people t- say he's like he means like a '69 convertible or something like that, no, where they he, were '69ing in the backseat. He, back he most certainly but, does not. Uh, yeah. Gosh, I guess that is really um, that's a Sophie's choice. <laughs> that no matter no matter what, you're going to hear William Shatner say some things that you can't unhear William Shatner say. Canada. Which would oh, he, he is Canadian. He is Canadian. So which one would William Shatner rather do? Would he rather do Brian Adams? Would he rather uh, with with the country brethren? I have to imagine that like all Canadians, he is sick beyond sick of Brian Adams. Yeah, but counterpoint, um, you know, William Shatner uh, is uh, 80 something years old and (laughs) and likes to complain about SJWs on Twitter. And John Cougar Mellencamp um, didn't let Reagan use his songs, didn't let John McCann use his songs, Openly talked about how George W. Bush is a war criminal, basically. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure that William Shatner is a huge John Mellencamp fan, is what I'm saying. They seem politically opposed. Whereas Brian Adams, I don't know if he has a political bone in his body. And if he does, I don't think anyone would ever care. Summer of 69 is, you know, a personal song about where you sing about yourself. Jack and Diane is about other people. And as very boring, mundane people at that, I can't imagine Shatner caring about them. The correct answer, once again, is Boys of Summer. <laughs> I, I think a Boys of Summer by William Shatner could actually be really good. What, 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 what did the, what what did did the, the commenter say? Yes, I'm ready for comments. Okay, well, to be clear, 
the first two comments were about sucking on a chili dog. Yes, and they were. <laughs> they, but the first two comments are just sucking on chili dog. No, nothing else added to it. Sucking on chili dog is the first comment. Sucking on chili dog is the second comment. Yes, it is. The first rule of Fight Club is sucking on chili dog. Yeah. All right. I'm just including this first one just because it's pretty, uh, it sums up the entire comment section. It says, this is from Sil W. Sil W says, this is not the best John Cougar Mellencamp song, but it is the best Brian Adams song. That being said, fuck Brian Adams, so Jack and Diane it is. Yes, that is basically, (laughs) that is is solidly 50% of the comments are specifically that. Yeah, that is what everyone is saying. Stepped Pyramids writes, I just don't like thinking about the concept of 69 and Brian Adams at the same time or even in the same day. Yeah, I agree. Our Hando writes, Jack and Diane sounds like a very good folk song that's been horribly remixed. Oh, kind of. Yeah, there's a there's a bit of like a in between the verses, like a Calvin Harris breakdown. Like, don't, 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 don't. No. What, what, where are we going to Great Adventure? What's happening? Six Flags. Let's go. No. Okay. Okay. Gene Yunkin just writes, "Hang on to sixteen as long as you can." Is possibly the worst advice I've ever gotten from a pop song. Yeah, I don't. Anything you got from uh, your sixteenth year that you hung on to? Anything? No, not a single thing. That was a terrible year for me. What was that like ninth grade, tenth grade, something like that? Awful. Absolutely awful. Uh, well, let me just say, as that I, was, I wasn't popular, I wasn't a football star like Jack, so my 16th year was garbage. Oh my God, it's Jack and Diane, and Jack was black. Black and Diane. That's terrible. I just... <laughs> oof, oof. Black, black Jack? I don't... Yes, it's not great. Um, I don't remember anything from my 16th year. It was 24 fucking years ago. Yeah. Next. <laughs> I mean, it's probably yes. true. I can't, I definitely, if there was anything good to be ascertained from it, anything to be gleaned, I don't remember it. Here's an interesting thing from, I, I'm going to butcher this name. It says, Aditi Duby. It says, Summer of 69 was inexplicably popular when I was a 12-year-old in India in 2004. So it makes me think of home and makes me happy. I need to know how that happened. I need to <laughs> I need to know why in 2004 India and she didn't or he I don't know if that's a he or she they did not clarify how it made its way to India that that is baffling to me what do we I'm sorry India what do we <laughs> now now the Canadian government has apologized for Brian Adams on numerous occasions <laughs> <laughs> all right uh Kanan Lamp writes, Jack and Diane, because one, Johnny Cougar is a treasure, and two, Brian Adams isn't even the best artist with the letters Ryan Adams in their name. That is a good one. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. That... All right. Joe DL writes, John Mellencamp will never have the same pop appeal of Brian Adams because he looks like an improperly stretched JPEG of Peter Dinklage, but he's a better songwriter and a better person. Okay. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I like Joe a lot. I, um... The, the stretched out Peter Dinklage feels... I, I guess sideways. I'm trying to see what, like, what is he talking about? I don't... Is he just saying that they look similar? Are they similar looking people? I think, I think so, yes. Okay. All right. All right. This one from my little brother, Victor, says, <laughs> Summer of 69 is an uncharacter, uncharacteristically great song by a mediocre artist. Jack and Diane is a good song by a good artist, but it gets ever slightly worse every time you hear it after the hundredth. So it's practically unlistenable to me now. Like me and my little brother, we're similar people. Yes. Like that is exactly what I was thinking. Like, thank you, Victor. <laughs> All right. Elijah Stafford writes, here's a perfect example of how more detailed is not always better. The song nostalgia... It, the song is nostalgic towards vague youthful aspirations of love and musicianship is infinitely better than the song nostalgic towards finger banging a girl outside a tasty freeze after sharing a chili dog. See, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that, that one's that on your ex- side. Yes, that's exactly what I thought. Thank you for your comment. All right. Uh, I think we'll finish this off with uh, Andrew Detterer. He writes, and this is a pretty strong defense of Mellencamp here. He writes, Springsteen writes about being trapped within sight of the bright lights. 
Mellencamp is that feeling of being trapped with only the vaguest notion that there are bright lights out there somewhere. Yeah, like when 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 they talk about, hey, Diane, let's go run off to the city. I have no idea what city they're talking about. They probably just mean like Bloomingdale, Indiana. I mean, listen, that's a very that's a very thoughtful analysis of, yeah. of John Cougar Mellencamp. The only thing I can say in response is sucking on chili dog. <laughs> I just <laughs> Do you ever just say one thing that you regret and you wish you could take back because you'd know that everyone that's ever known you is gonna be like, hey, remember that time? <laughs> that sucking yeah. on chili dog is that time. For John Cougar Mellencamp. He will never live it down, although he is making a musical about it. There is going to be a Jack and Diane Broadway musical. And I tell you what, if this says anything, I am confident that it will be better than the Pretty Woman musical. <laughs> okay. And uh, actually, one last thing. I'm not going to read the entire comment, but it's very long. But uh, Leslie Hale wrote in to tell us a very long story about how she went to see John Mellencamp, Willie Nelson, and Bob Dylan in 2008. And Mellencamp did his set, walked off. And then everyone's waiting for the encore, cheering for him, and and then the text just started cleaning up and making way for the next uh, the next act, meaning that they just sat through a John Mellencamp concert and did not hear Jack and Diane, and that she will hate him forever for the rest of his life because you go to a Mellencamp concert to hear Jack and Diane. That's fair. I didn't yeah. know that he would ever skip that. It seems like the thing he would play every time. Well, he he said he's a, even he's a little sick of it at this point, which he would be. Except yes. for the except for the musical that they're making about it. Yeah. Well, he said is like you can't ever be mad about something that made you that much money. Even he's like I would prefer not to hear about Jack or Diane anymore. He should just go up and and sing uh, different versions every time. He should write. He should write a new version, just like Billy Joel should write another. Uh, verse to we didn't start the fire <laughs> yeah. actually I want to read Mellencamp's quote here because I wrote it down it says you know as much as I am a little weary of those two I don't think any other two people in rock and roll who are more popular than Jack and Diane some people probably think there's a place in hell for me because of those two people let me say I can confirm reading all these comments <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, and we got some comments from people from Indiana and some of them was like I have to because I'm from Indiana and it was like you have no idea what it's like being in Indiana. Mountain camp everywhere. It's awful. Yes. And the Canadians said the same thing about Brian Adams, where it's actually like literally mandated by law that you have to play a certain amount of Brian Adams. Again, Indiana. David Lee Roth is also from there, apparently. The Jacksons so are all from there. You like, can't you can't there's nothing that bad about John Cougar Mellencamp when you're when you're when you're thinking about oh! <laughs> I'm an asshole. Anyway, that's my great impression of David Lee Roth. I I heard it. I yep, didn't... it was good, right? Good shit. Anyway, all right. Do you feel after all of this chat that uh, your opinion has changed? Are you still on Team Summer of '69, or have you moved over to Jack and Diane? No, Summer of '69 still it still kicks. You know, it's it's got that energy behind it, and it's super cheesy and super lame. But it's got that energy, and I can't really deny it, even as much as I would like to, because Brian Adams is a bad person. Well, how about you? Where where you stand on this? I've changed my mind to the boys of summer. <laughs> That's an entirely different. Yeah, I, I, I listen. You brought it up, and now it's the, it's been on yeah. my mind for the last fifty goddamn minutes. <laughs> well, I, I'll I'll find something to put it up against. Maybe I'll put it against like the heat is on or something, and we'll. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. How did the how did it shake out? What's the poll result? What, what do you what do you what's your guess? I think that Summer of Sixty Nine is is gonna take it. I don't think that there's enough Indianans. <laughs> well, you know, that's what I would have guessed too, because like Summer of Sixty Nine holds up better on the five hundredth time you've heard it versus uh Jack and Diane, which is which does not. Well, here's the actual vote. Oh shit. All right. For a total of three seventy one two forty seven, that's a sixty to forty split. The winner is Summer of 69. Okay, so it did win. Yes, we are correct. It would it would have been way better if it had won with 69% of the vote. <laughs> nope, only 60%. I mean, it would fit, but it's a lot. That's a, that, that would be a big split. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't be fair, but on the other hand... It would be nice, yes. That's right. <laughs> that's right. All right. Um, not. <laughs> What's the next oh. episode? <laughs> We're idiots. Why are you listening to this? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, all right. Before we before we do the whatever the movie is that we're going to talk about, um, 
What's the what's the next actual poll poll? What's the next one going to be? All right. Because it was so unbearably white today, I decided next week we're going to do no scrubs versus say my name. Oh, wow. He's like you. He gave a look like I have no idea which of these to pick. It's a very that's really hard to do. Oh, really? Yep. Really? All right. I still want to get in a do up one. That's that's my, oh, we're that's gonna, my okay. We'll go way back for something. Great. Next. I want to do I want to do a, a do up song versus song. No scrubs versus say my name. I I have an inclination where I'm going to lean, but uh, but we'll. I have no idea where I'm going to land on this one. All right. Um. That is our episode. Thank you for listening. Uh. Remember that there are a lot of ways that you can support song versus song that cost you nothing. Uh. And you can do them. Pretty quickly, uh, one is giving five stars on iTunes. Uh, another thing to do is if you want to also write down a review that's five stars saying that we're great and we smell nice and you love mm-hmm. us, uh, those things cost you zero dollars. And the other big thing you can do is whenever people ask you on Twitter or Reddit or wherever, uh, when they're looking for podcast recommendations, recommend Song vs. Song. It helps us out a great deal. None of these things cost you a dime to do. Uh, if you are looking to monetarily support Song versus song, we do have a Patreon. Mm-hmm. And for $1 or more, you can get a third episode every month wherein we review a movie musical. Mm-hmm. A music-related movie of some kind. Yes. Uh, we've done many. I still don't know what we're doing this month. Do you know? Well, yes. I, I put it up to a poll because there's nothing new coming out, so I put every music-related movie we didn't cover last year, and I put it up in a poll. And uh, the winner, by a, a decent margin was the Motley Crue bio- biopic, The Dirt. Oh, I've heard such things. Such things. Such wonderful, wonderful things. So we'll be covering that. Uh, and yeah, that only costs you a buck. Uh, if you want to pay more, you can, but that is the that is all you have to pay. I guess that's it. You can yeah. vote in the next poll. It'll be up shortly. And uh, check out, uh, I don't know, check out us on Twitter. And also... Uh, We're listen. funny guys. Sure. And, lots and, of thoughts about the shape of Maryland. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and listen to the other uh, podcasts that are that are filmed at this uh, at this very table, like uh, the Apocalypse Book Club with uh, Antonella and Sarah and, and my wife Raven Jacobowski. If you like uh, people talking about books, mm-hmm. some might say it's the opposite of this podcast. Two, <laughs> two, two smart women talking about books instead of two idiot men talking about songs. If you like intelligent and informed people. That's right. If you if you want to have something different, and if uh, if you want to listen to my brand new podcast, it's called Picard's Not My Dad. If you're watching, yeah. if you're going to watch Picard and you want to listen to me and a person who is even older than me talk about Star Trek Picard, you could do that. It's called Picard's Not My Dad. It's pretty fun. It's me talking to my dad, who is one of the weirder, more interesting people that I know. Yeah, he was, he was around when the, the original was airing. The original Star Trek. Yes, he's old. Yeah. Listen to some old people. Yeah. That's the end of this episode. That was fun. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.